Gospel of our Lord according to St. Luke. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on this table. For the Son of Man goes, it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom it is betrayed. They began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. The Word of God for the people of God. So as I was saying, expressive individualism is the term um, that's been picked up by philosophers to describe uh, the era we are in now. Uh, Philip Reef calls it the era of the psychological man. I'm going to read uh, Charles Taylor. He's a Canadian philosopher. His description of um, um, expressive individualism is, I mean the understanding of life which emerges with the romantic expressivism of the late 18th century that each one of us has his or her own way of realizing our humanity and that it is important to find out one's own as against surrendering to conformity with the model imposed from the outside by society or previous generation or religious or political authority. Um, Or we might add even biology or personal history. It's the idea that you look deep within yourself, psychologically, you, you figure out who you are, and the highest goal of life, to attain life, is to be who you really are inside, and express your innermost feeling, whether that feeling conforms to anything about the exterior life, and you are to resist anything that makes you conform and be part of who we've normally understood as being part of society. Roger Scruton, another philosopher, ably kind of demonstrates this, of previous generations danced with one another. We now dance at one another. All life is a performance. Everything is about displaying who I am and what is unique about me. And so everything becomes a display and performance and a show. Social media has only amplified this. Um, It was a few years, well, maybe 10 years now that, um, do you remember, was it time does the person of the year and they had a reflective cover, and the person of the year is you, because it's all about me. And anybody who's going to tell me to not be myself or get in the way is oppressive. The promise is that fulfillment comes from realizing your person. Um, Yuval Levine, there's all these thoughtful writers, has described it, discussed it this way said the term suggests not only the desire to pursue one's own path, but also a yearning for fulfillment through the definition of articulation of one's own identity. 
In other words, the meaning of life is expressing who I am and make sure people see it and it's on display. People should certainly not be restricted from pursuing their goals or living according to their convictions. That's freedom. There's certainly been times people have been kept back from fulfilling the potential that God has blessed them with due to their race or their class or their sex. However, the promise is that we can create ourselves and be fulfilled in doing so is a lie. Not only will it not give what it promises of living out my, my fullest potential, it ultimately brings destruction. Three, three reasons why. One is we're needy. We're needy. We're limited and we're broken. We are not made to be independent. We're made to live in a family with a mother and a father, nurture and encouragement. We're meant to rely on one another. As we grow, we're meant to be in a community where we um, need one another's gifts and one another's skills. Uh, we need each other. And we, as who we are, we, we have to have certain things. Um, I remember a, a flight back from... Um, Scotland, one when, when year, it went really bad. The whole flight was long. I don't remember um, what all happened, but I do remember I kind of finally got home, and I was hungry. I was tired. I was sleepy. I, I, I mean, I wanted um, some entertainment. I wanted all these things, and I just thought to myself, I feel like an experiment in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Those of y'all who've taken Psychology 101 know there's this kind of basic thing where you, you can live without oxygen for three minutes or 30 minutes, I can't remember when we test it. You know, you, you can live without water for so long, food so long, but then after that, you have to have safety. You have to have security. You have to have esteem. You have to have companionship. You have to have entertainment. You have all these things for life to flourish. We have to have those. We need human touch. We need to hear brothers and sisters, people in our lives laughing. We need one another. We need to be affirmed. We need to be valued. Which means by nature, we potentially enter into every relationship as a sort of transaction. Because if those needs aren't met elsewhere, I'm needing affirmation. And I might have to do something to get it from someone else. I might need a sense of security. And so I might need um, a sense of well-being or purpose, uh, seeking to derive something. And the thing is that if, if I'm not getting that from where I should get it, the temptation is to use other people to get it. So how many people do you know make themselves feel better by making fun of someone else? They're using them to get what they need. How many people are manipulative because they're wanting to get into the friendships and, and get a self of worth, sense of worth, because they have needs and they're using other people to provide those needs? It also means we can be manipulated pretty easily. We need things. People promise it, and we want to hope. We are needy, but we're also limited. And this is really where I want to look is if the demand is that I look deep inside of myself, discover my real true self, create myself before others, it's demanding something I'm not capable of doing and that you're not capable of doing. We're limited. We're finite. We only have so much time, we only have so much energy, we only have so much resources to provide and to do anything. 
I'm exhausted. It's been a busy week. You've all been there. You, you know what it is to be completely drained emotionally and physically and in all other ways. How many times have you woken up and the kids have eaten something they did not need to eat for breakfast, but you're too tired to put up a fight, so they're just going to eat and go to school wearing whatever they're wearing because you don't have anything left to do because you're tired. That's who we are. And I'm growing older. I'm having to ask people about, okay, when I do exercise, my knees hurt. I didn't think they would, but and it only gets worse. Memory goes. We're, we're limited, and we deplete ourselves, and we become less. We have more aches, less time, less energy. And we are not the wellsprings of original ideas that we think we are. Oh, okay, well, you used to teach kids by saying, let me tell you stories. Let me tell you about Abe Lincoln. Let me tell you about George Washington and the cherry tree. Let me tell you about, and you would tell stories and tell stories and tell stories and tell stories. You would fill kids up, and then you would say, now draw me a picture or tell me a story. Now we take the youngest child, and we say, look in your deepest soul and amaze me with your wonderful creativity. And they got nothing because there's nothing that's been fed into them. I mean, we, we're, we're just not as amazing as we tell our kids we are. Has anyone noticed the incredible irony that we're in an age that celebrates creativity and novelty and not by be, being bound to the past, and we're completely impotent to come up with a new story? The 1940s and 50s, the, the time of the man in the gray flannel suit and when was supposed to be the time of conformity that... You know, rebelled against, that created new genres of music never heard before. There was an explosion in jazz and new ways of making music. There was rock and roll. There was um, bluegrass, new forms of pop music, incredible technological advances leading us to space travel, later computer revelations. But our era, which is supposed to be the time of uniqueness and creativity and how brave and novel everything is, can we make a movie that's not another comic book hero? Can we make another movie that's not an 80s show retold? I, I look at kids and I think, I could take you and drop you into the year 2000, 20 years ago. Your outfit would look completely like anybody else's there. If I took some of you people, your bell bottoms, and threw you 20 years back, you would stand out so much from the 50s. Fashion has stalled. All of our creative energies have stalled. As a, as, as a culture, we are depleting ourselves of any sort of newness. I mean, the way, I don't know, your, your, your grandparents or parents um, reacted to Elvis and then the Beatles and then to punk and then to rap. I'm, 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 I'm dying for Graham to play something I'm telling him to turn down. I'm wanting something that is, is shaking things up. We, don't, we have no power to create anything new because we're so self-focused and we're limited. We have nothing in us to give. So I'm sorry, I've gone on a rant about rock and roll, and that's always a dangerous thing for me. So here's the thing. If we've exhausted that kind of thing, how can we can do it ourselves? If I would have to have enough insight into myself and know my authentic self, half the time I'm not sure what I want for dinner. How am I supposed to know my true self? I'm supposed to come up with the energy to fashion and formulate and imagine what should be expressed 
I can't even fathom what it'd be like to be an extrovert who wants hugs. And then I have to have the energy to fashion my life into my own self. When most of what we do is a week of routine and habit, we do the same thing every day and day, and that's enough to put me exhausted on the couch at the end of the day. How am I supposed to have enough energy? So what we do is we tell, and I, the burden of self-creation is more than we can bear. It's not liberating. It's exhausting. It's not fulfilling. It's draining because it demands more than we can do or give. It's demanding that we give ourselves to a world and though it's couched in the encouraging language of self-fulfillment and liberating authenticity, it's a demand for self-sacrifice. And honestly, the end result is absolute banal trivia. As what people think is expressing themselves is, I've got pink hair. We can't create ourselves because we're limited, we're needy, and we're also broken. We're sinful. We're turned in on ourselves we look more to ourselves than others, which affects everything about us, our aspirations, our relationships. So anything I build is going to be tainted with that sin. That, that's the idea. If we're going to be creating ourselves and making our own reality, it's going to be warped and distorted because our hearts are marred. You know what the worst problem of the church is? This church? Me. I'm involved in everything that goes on here. And my sin is passed into every conversation and every decision that takes place in this church. Worst problem in my family? Me. My sin is involved in everything that takes place. And you can apply that to your own life. Every relationship, every conversation, everything we do. It's not that we don't do good things and there's wonderful things to celebrate. And you're all really nice people. I like you. But we're sinners. And we bring our neediness and our brokenness and our limits into everything. And what we realize is we, we really don't need more of us. This world does not need more of me. It needs more Jesus. And it really doesn't need a whole lot more of you. It needs more Jesus. And rather than self-expression, we need Self-denial. Jesus gathers with his disciples in a room. He takes bread and wine, and he gives. And he says, this displays the cross. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And we don't catch how radical this is because we're used to our faith being something we receive and we trust. But every religion, every belief, every worldview, including the expressive individualism that is all around us with every Disney story that says, follow your heart, be yourself, pursue your dreams, every bit of this is also demanding that you give and work and serve, and make, and give, and sacrifice, and does not fulfill what it says. But this is Jesus coming to us saying, receive. Every other religion, every other worldview, every thought is, do this and you'll be rewarded. Work and you'll earn. And Jesus gives himself. He pours himself out. He breaks and gives. He pours himself out. And rather than Demanding that we give, he says, take. And rather than saying, serve, he says, receive. 
And this isn't just on the cross. He continues to do this in your life as a believer. His spirit, his wisdom, his righteousness, his gifts, his covenant, the overflowing blessings that are new every morning, the riches of his grace that he lavishes on to it. He brings them and comes, they come to us every day. The life of the Christian is the life of one united to the life of Jesus through faith. It's not self-fulfillment. It's self-denial. It's laying down our lives and taking up our cross and following Jesus. And you might say, well, isn't that sacrificing? Isn't that work? Isn't that doing? No. Because what it is, it's letting go of what you're holding on to so that you can receive the blessing of God. It's not a sacrifice to say, I'm going to do away with the sin and let go of the sin. I'm going to let go of the debt. I'm going to let go of the limits so I can receive life and fullness and blessing and riches to be crucified with Christ is to put away the death, put to death the body of death so that you can receive life and so that we are conformed to the one who gives himself to us so that we say, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the one in whom we live calls us to return again and again to this table to remember that we live continually nourished and fed by him, that we are sustained by his very self that is broken and poured out for us, given to us in the sacraments. Because you hear week all through the week, work and you'll earn, be your best self, follow your passion. Give to others, create, be, your, be stronger, be sufficient, you're capable, you can do this. Be yourself and, and be more and be more and give more and do more and earn more. And at this table, we come to the one in whom the fullness of deity dwells and tells you, take, feed, rest. And at this table, it is the fullness of deity who tells us this. Two big theological terms I'm going to throw at you. One is aseity. It means God needs nothing. We are needy. God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need us, which is a wonderful good news because he can't be manipulated. And he gives only out of his fullness, not because he has any needs, but he is overflowing with fullness and pours himself into us, and he is infinite. All the things we talk about God being infinite means he can give and he's, he is never depleted. He gives and gives and gives and he is never any less than he is. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That's even change of weakening because energy has gone away. That There's no change in his power and his knowledge and who he is and his creativity, even as he gives, it's infinite. There's more. You'll never deplete him. Look this up. The sun, well, some of you might know they might be giants. The sun is a mass of incandescent gas, a gigantic nuclear furnace in which helium is changed into hydrogen at temperature of millions of degrees. Now, Wikipedia says a difference. It says the core sun fuses from 600 million tons of hydrogen into helium every second. 
converting 4 million tons of matter into energy every second as a result. That's the sun. That powers our solar system. That is what gives biological life, all this energy. I mean, that's, I, we can't fathom how powerful that is. But they estimate in about 5 billion years, it'll grow cold and dark, and the solar system will collapse. Even the sun is limited. It is a mere candle on a child's birthday cake compared to the power of God, which will create that by its mere word and never, ever, ever fill earth, be emptied. Would you stand and let us say what we believe with the Nicene Creed?